don't know about you, but when I came in this morning, I got a little excited seeing the decorations all around for VBX. Uh, pretty cool stuff. Uh, the tent, the water. It's one of the greatest weeks of the summer. Kids will be here. They're going to have a great time learning about Jesus. And we've got a, a ton of great people at this church that love kids. One of my, and he's going to hate that I'm going to say this, but one of my heroes of this church is Daniel Huron. Daniel Huron, go, Yeah. I don't know if he's in the room. I'll try not to look at him if he is. But he goes to children's and teen camp. for the la- He's been every year for the last four or five years now to both camps, all right? People that are getting, or pastors don't do that. Uh, he's amazing. And we've got a great uh, crew that's going to be here this week. If you know a kid uh, that uh, maybe is uh, uh, hopefully related to you, a relative, a friend, uh, loosely related, if you see a kid going down the street, hey, tell them about VBX this week. It's going to be a great week, and maybe we'll have some funny moments with some water. Pastor Garen, I'm just going to throw it out there. I think if we have, it's always good to have like X amount of people show up. Pastor Garen should get doused in some way, which would be entertaining to me personally. Uh, maybe not to you, but to, to me. Uh, so let's, let's pray that God would bless this week, and uh, in some way, God wants you to be a part of that and inviting others. Before we get started, let's pray. God, uh, thank you for what you are about to do. God, as we open your word, Lord, we know it's not about, we know it's not about me. It's not about your servant, Lord, but it's about your word, and it is living and active. God, I pray that you would open our hearts this morning, and you would open our ears, and we pray these things in your name. And everybody said, amen. Well, if you haven't been with us, we've been in this series. It's about, uh, it's called Church on the Go. It's about the church in Acts and about how God is moving and active and he is on the move in the world through these people called Christians. And it's not, when we hear church, we automatically think building, but it's not about a building, but it's about a movement, a people that are on fire with this Holy Spirit acting in their lives, calling them to different places to say different things, to preach, to teach, and the the church is just on fire right now. And uh, so we've been journeying through the book, and this morning we're in the book, we're in the chapter of, uh, in Acts of chapter 12. So if you want to grab your Bible, I've got mine. Chapter 12, we're in verse 4. We find ourselves with uh, one of the heroes in the faith, his name's Peter, and uh, it's a great story, and we're going to kind of go line by line and share a little bit about it. Verse 4 says this, then he imprisoned him, the, the, the him would be Herod, he imprisoned Peter, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. So this guy, Peter, is being guarded by 16 guys, okay? That's how active the Holy Spirit's been in these chapters, seeing God work in pretty cool ways. But Peter, he's already escaped from prison once, and now he's being guarded by 16 guys. He's like the Jason Bourne of disciples, apparently, because 16, okay? Uh, Herod intended to bring Peter out for a public trial after the Passover. Now, it's pretty much common thought that what was going to happen is that Peter was going to die. I mean, he was, the Passover was happening, and so they kind of had to wait for this mock trial to happen, and then he was going to get thrown out there, mock trial, and then he was going to be executed. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, so this is the night before, The night before he was going to go to trial, the night before he was going to probably be executed, what is he doing? I love this. He's fast asleep. (laughs) And he's fastened with two chains between the two soldiers. So he's got a soldier, vision this, soldier on each side, and it's probably chained to each 
soldier on each side, most likely two guarding the door, and the other eight are floating around somewhere, probably asleep as well. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. Well, that didn't wake him up. And so what does the angel do? The angel struck him on the side. And I love the Greek here. It basically is like, get up. It was like a hard strike, which has got to be fun for the angel. Uh, Angel of the Lord stood before Peter, struck him on the side, woke him up, says, quick, get up. And the chains from his wrist fall off. It's a pretty cool scene. He's looking around and it's just, okay, let's go. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all this time, he thought he was having a vision. He thought, this was a, I'm just dreaming, okay? You're just having one of those deep sleep dreams. He thinks he, he's, he's dreaming this, this whole time. So uh, he didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and the second guard posts and and I'm just going to throw up here kind of a picture of what we believe this, this is kind of what this, this, this fortress looked like that he's going through. So somewhere in, and in the midst of this building, this military post, Peter is, is locked inside. So he's going past these guards, he's going past these different posts in the night, just covertly, just getting through there uh, with this angel and, uh, guiding him along the way. He came to the iron gate leading to the city, uh, and this opened for them because there was a gate going into the city by itself. So they passed through, and they started to walk down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him. And then Peter comes to his senses. It's really true. The Lord has sent this angel to save me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. Now, Herod, this guy is, is not a nice dude. All right, if we think about Herod, that's just a, a, a nasty name. We, it comes to mind, Jesus, and we think about, actually, if you think back to John, his ancestor, Herod's ancestors, his grandfather beheaded John, remember, on a head on a silver platter. That's the kind of Herods we're talking about. In fact, the grandfather of this Herod, he distrusted his son so much that he had him killed as well, publicly. Pretty serious problems in the family there. Uh, and so Herod was planning on executing him the the next day. Peter finally came to his senses, and he said, the Lord has sent an angel to save me from Herod and the Jewish leaders. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathering to pray. Now, this home is believed to be the, the upper room scene where the disciples gathered for the last meal, the upper room scene where they came after Jesus had been killed on the cross where they gathered together and they locked the doors. This is what we're talking about here. This is the room, the mother of John Mark. They were gathering for prayer, and what does Peter do? Okay, you've got to imagine there's prayer meeting going on inside, and here's Peter. He goes and knocks on the door. Just knock, 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 hey. Do you know a good knock, knock joke? I've been trying to find a good knock, knock joke for the last few days. Does anybody know a good knock-knock joke? All right, you got 20 seconds to give me the best knock-knock joke. You got, tell your neighbor your best knock-knock joke right now. Go. Not a lot of buzz going on. Anybody? Josh? Nothing? The best knock-knock joke. Anybody? You guys come up with anything? Don? Lonnie's got a good one. Lonnie's got a good, all right, Lonnie. It's participation Sunday, bring it. 
Here it is. Knock, knock. Now, I was about to tell a really good story about you, and I'm debating it now. The best one that I could come up with, wow, that hurts. I've got to collect myself now. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. All right. Knock, knock. Little old lady. I didn't know you knew how to yodel. Little old lady. No? All right. I got that, by the way, from uh, One Direction Harry Styles there. But, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Knock, knock. I couldn't, think of, I couldn't help but thinking about the knock, knock. He's at the door. He's knocking. I wonder, you know, he's covertly going through the city. He just broke out of prison. His neck's on the line. I'm kind of thinking he comes to the door kind of like this. Just starts, you know, hey, anybody in there? <laughs> it's me. <laughs> and, and what happens? Let's, let's keep reading along here. He knocked at the door, and the servant girl named Rhoda came to open it up. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed to the point that she, instead of opening the door, what does she do? She runs back inside. Peter, hey, hey. She's like, he hears the voice, so happy. She can't contain herself. She's just running around. It made me think, I know this is bad memories, but I'm going to show it anyway. 1983, NC State, Houston, in the championship. Their coach is Jim Valvano. And they're just kind of like the, the team that couldn't make it. This is NC State, not Houston. Houston was supposed to win. But NC State, the little engine that could actually wins. At the end of the game, they hit a game-winning shot that they shouldn't have made. Let's be honest, that was our championship to win. But what happens? Jim Valvano, if you've seen this clip, he's the coach. Just check out, out his reaction. He's the guy with the tie. Okay. Here's the, the, the lucky shot. Watch Valvano. He's just like, I gotta find somebody. I gotta find somebody. All right. Then you see the, you know, you see the kids and they're happy. And then the Houston players. Oh, no. We have five slam the jam. How did we not win? And it's just like pure emotion here. Just pure emotion. I love it. All right, we'll cut it there. But Jim Valvano afterwards, he's like, I was just looking around for somebody to hug. Somebody hug me. And he just runs around the court. And that's kind of what I see from Rhoda. She's just like, can you believe She runs inside to the prayer meeting, okay? Leaves Peter at the door. Now, prayer meeting. Now, in my mind, that immediately conjures up some images, all right? There's a great sites book if you want to. Just funny things that Christians do. It's called What Christians Do or What Christians Like. It's got a by the name by the guy named I think his name is Acuff is his last name. Scott John John Acuff, and uh, hilarious stuff. But he talks about some things that we do as Christians. The the circle, the the hand holding circle. Do you anyone who knows me kind of knows that the hand holding circle is a little. I have a hard time with, I do it because I know that I should. 
But, you know, okay, you've got the hand-holding circle, and sometimes someone's really short, and sometimes someone's really tall. It's kind of awkward. And then inevitably you have the person who forgot the memo and wants to hold hands like this. Okay, and then in the middle, if the prayer is long, your hands are sweaty, or someone else's hands are sweaty. And then we have some other customs. If you're, if you're new to the church, they're like the hand squeeze, okay? The squeeze means, okay, the prayer's over, squeeze, we're done, okay? But somewhat people forget to let go at the end, and you're holding hands awkwardly. And I avoid awkward moments, so... You know, it's just kind of funny things that we do, and, and not that these things are, are bad, but they're just, you're just kind of, you know, they're kind of interesting, kind of funny things that, that Christians do. Now, as a teenager, if you're a teenage guy like me, when the prayer circle is about to happen or there's hand-holding, you run immediately to the prettiest girl, uh, the girl that you're, you like in the youth group, and like, yes, I will hold hands with you and pray as long as you would like. And if you were like me in youth group, that girl ran the opposite direction. And guys have a hard time with this because if they're next to another dude, they're like, Pastor Matt, I don't want to hold his hand. And so they hold wrists. Uh, and that's okay too, all right? I'm more of a let's grab the shoulder of the person behind, beside you kind of at a person. And that's okay. But here's, here's what the, the vision of this is prayer meetings happening. And, and the truth be told it doesn't matter if it's a prayer circle of shoulders or whatever. When God's people get together to pray, it's powerful. It's effective. It's amazing what God does through prayer. And, and it's pretty fantastic when, when prayers are answered. My new best friend, Lonnie, <laughs> he actually has a great story about how God has healed him. He was praying one day in a, in a healing service for his back. It had been hurting for a long time. And uh, just the simple prayer of God, I know that you can. I know that I don't deserve it. God, would you heal me? And he hasn't had any back problems for six years. Whew, it's amazing. I don't know if you've ever seen prayers answered. I was in a life group this morning that just were talking about answered prayers and how that's just it's powerful when, we, when prayers are answered. I've seen God provide for me in amazing ways. Called to college that I couldn't afford and God providing the different things along the way, the amazing things to happen. I've been there when the doctor has said, you know what, I don't know what to tell you. The cancer was there last week and it's not there this week. It's amazing, it's powerful, it's effective. And when we have that, when we sense that, I mean, it's, there's momentum in that and we see God at work, they're great moments. And I hope that you've experienced it where you just stand and say, wow. There is a God, and he is listening. And this was that moment for Rhoda. And so what happens to her? It's kind of comical as we keep going on in Acts chapter 12. Rhoda, she goes in, and she goes and tells the prayer meeting, and what happens? What do they say? They say, she says, she says Peter's at the door. And their reaction is, you're out of your mind. <laughs> you are out of your mind. Let me tell you, the Greek translation here is literally, you're nuts. <laughs> You're insane in the membrane. You are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. You are one fry shorts. You are cray cray girl, right, Michelle? <laughs> You're crazy. That's, okay, Jesus, please rescue Peter. Tap, tap, tap. Peter's at the door. You're nuts. You're crazy. <laughs> There's something kind of funny about that picture, okay? And so finally what happens? 
Peter is knocking even more. I'm guessing a little louder. Hey, guys, I'm still out here. I'm still out here. Have you ever seen the movie Three Amigos when Steve Martin is on the fence and he's like, hey, you guys, hey, hey, up here. Look up here, look up here, up here. That's Peter outside. He's just like. And finally, you know, they're saying, you know what? It's probably his guardian angel. Because back then they thought that everyone had a guardian angel. And occasionally they would just show up. So they said, it's probably his guardian angel, which is kind of passive the way he says it. He's like, rolls his eyes and says, you know what? Let's, let's go check it out for Rhoda's sake. They open the door. Guess who's there? <laughs> it's Peter. And overjoyed reaction. Can you imagine? The prayer meeting just explodes with joy, explodes with excitement. And in fact, Peter has to calm everyone down. And, so, and he, he raises his hand just to calm them down. And he tells them about what happened. And he, and he says, go tell James. Now, it's, a, it's an awesome story. It's kind of funny. But you know what? I can't get past the knocking. I can't get past the knocking. They're praying for Peter and, and he's knocking at the door and no one is, is answering. No one's answering. There's a video that kind of reminds me of that thought as we, we think about uh, prayer and the way we pray sometimes. Check this video out. So I've seen that and I've thought about this passage. I've started to ask myself some questions. I wonder if I ever pray that way. I, ever, I wonder if I ever pray saying one thing but kind of thinking realistically at the same time. Now, looking at this passage, we started in verse four. Let's, let's go back to the beginning. Acts chapter 12, verse one. Let, let's see what happened before all of this went down. About this time, King Herod Agrippa, we know about him, bad guy, began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. He was beheaded. James and John, the sons of thunder, James lost his life. He was actually the first disciple to be martyred. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. So this is what's taking place. James was arrested. And we don't know the amount of time that he was arrested, but you know what? I'm guessing in a city like that, word traveled fast. And I wonder, I wonder if they met in the exact same room. I wonder if they met in the exact same room and prayed the same thing. They just prayed a few minutes later that maybe that the Lord would rescue James. I wonder, remember James and John's mom, the sons of Zebedee? She, a few chapters, a, few, a little bit earlier, she prayed, remember, to Jesus. She asked Jesus, can my son sit on your left and your right in the kingdom? I wonder if she was there. I wonder if she was praying, Lord, save my son. But James wasn't saved. Have you ever prayed something and God didn't give you the answer that, that you thought should come? I know I have. It rocks, it really, honestly, it rocks our world, doesn't it? It's difficult. This is not easy stuff, folks. So maybe it's not too big of a surprise when, 
there's a knock, and there's a shock that it's Peter because James didn't show up at the door. Sometimes, sometimes the faith isn't that easy. And today we're going to look at a couple of things that, that are not quite so easy. Why doesn't God always answer prayers? Why doesn't he answer prayer? Why doesn't he answer that prayer sometimes when a kid prays? And I've heard it. Please don't let my parents divorce. Please bring this person to Christ. Please heal this person. There's different reasons why, and we can look at, we're going to look at it this morning in the Bible, of why God doesn't answer prayer. But before we do that, can, can we just kind of throw out some ground rules, some things that we just need to know? First of all, we live in a broken world. This is a home that is not our home. From the very beginning, from Adam and Eve, they started something. Uh, creation was a beautiful thing made by God that was lacking in sin, lacking all these things, this evil that we know of, the evil that we've seen in our own town this week in a big way, startling news. The world didn't contain that, but because of our sinfulness, the world is broken. We live in a shattered place that is full of darkness and evil, full of diseases, full of hurt, because this is not our home. This is not heaven. So that's, that's, that's one thing. We have free will. God has given us this gift of free will. God doesn't control us like puppets. He's given us choices. He's given people choices. And sometimes we don't understand why those people make those choices, but they do, and we don't control them and neither does God. He gives us that free choice. We know that if you've ever seen the movie Beauty and the Beast, I love the end. It's like love is not love if it's not chosen, if it's forced on someone. So he gives us, he gives us free will. God is involved in all of this. He is involved. We are not deists. Deists believe that God created and then he just stepped out of the picture and said, go for it. That, we're not deists. We don't believe that. We believe that God is involved but he, he, he doesn't control people along the way. So why doesn't he always answer our prayers? Bill Hybels wrote a book about 20 years ago, and he had a great quote that I, I just wanna share this morning. It says this, if the request, just talking about why he doesn't answer, or he does, if the requ request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. And if you are wrong, God says grow. But if the request is right, the timing is right, and you are right, God says, he says, go. And we're gonna kind of look at that for a few minutes here. Sometimes the request is wrong. I mean, we see that in the Bible. There's this moment, and it's called the, Mount, the uh, transfiguration of Jesus, where these disciples come up on the mountain, and basically Jesus' glory is revealed. And suddenly Moses and Elijah show up. It's James, John, and Peter. And there's this amazing moment and what happens? Peter says, well, we should build these shelters up on this mountain. And Jesus basically utterly just says, uh, no, that's not a good idea right now. You're not getting it, okay? You're, you're, you, don't, you don't understand what's happening. Remember James and John's mom come and say, hey, you should sit on my left and my right. And basically Jesus just says, shut, he just shuts that down and says, you don't know what you're asking for. Sometimes it's just a, a flat no to that. And some of that no is because of our wrong motives, uh, back to our, our friends, James and John, again, they're kind of prevalent today. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus is preaching, and he's getting ready to go to some Samarian, Samaritan towns. And one of the towns rejects Jesus and says, basically, don't come. 
And what is, what's the request? The request to Jesus is this. Jesus, we want to go and burn down, call down fire from heaven to burn down that town. And Jesus, he actually rebukes him and says, no. Sometimes our requests are just, they're, they're wrong. And sometimes it's because it's wrong motives. Somewhere right now, there is someone that is praying, dear Jesus, if I could just possibly win the lottery, then I promise that I will tithe at least 10, maybe 50, whatever it takes percent. Please, the winning numbers now. <laughs> I saw this e-card uh, this week. Uh, I don't know if it's already on the screen. Please, God, give me, let me win tonight's mil- mega million lotto so I can prove that money can buy happiness. There's somebody who's probably praying that. And I don't know if you've prayed those kind of prayers with maybe the wrong motives, but, but it's there. There's also this thing that's out there, talking about wrong motives. There's this, they call it prosperity gospel. And essentially, if you do this, this, and this, that God's gonna bless you, you're not gonna have any problems. Maybe you've seen it on TV. If you send X amount of money, then you'll get some like holy land water. And uh, hey, if you want the holy land water, fantastic, you can pay for that. But just because you have holy land water doesn't mean that you can make God a genie, okay? Do we hear what we're saying today? In fact, this is what Jesus actually says and he promises in John 16, 33. I've told you this, that you can have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have trials. You will. That's a promise we don't really wanna hear, do we? We live in a broken world. We're gonna have trials and we're going to have sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Sometimes wrong motives. James 4, 3. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Is this for his glory or is is it for mine? Proverbs 16, 1 through 3 says this. We can make our own plans but the Lord gives the right answer. People may, may be pure in their own eyes. They might think, well, my, my motives are pure, but the Lord examines their motives. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Sometimes I've had really, uh, I thought my, my motives were pure, but you know what? <laughs> Sometimes they're a little tainted. I remember praying in middle school that Megan Titus, the hottest girl in middle school, would be my girlfriend. God did not answer that prayer, okay? He did give me the hottest girl on the planet as a wife, though. (laughs) Yes, indeed. But sometimes our plans, they don't work out. Sometimes the timing is wrong. Sometimes the timing is wrong. In fact, sometimes God tells us to wait. When I was in college, I've actually got the best friends in the world. This is uh, some of them here in a picture. And uh, yes, I'm the guy in the middle with the purple uh, tuxedo tie. It's awful. But uh, the guy that's here to my left is a guy by the name of uh, Matt Cameron and his wife, Brooke, right there. They're amazing people. I've got great Christian friends that are kind of scattered now in the the Southeast, and, and they're just great folks that love the Lord. We knew they were the first ones in our friends to get married, and we just knew Brooke just has this mom vibe oozing out of her. She just was born to be a mom. I don't know if you know people that are like that, but uh, 
just amazing. We watched them. They were the, they were the first to get married. We, we just kind of watched them grow up and, 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 and this whole marriage thing and, and knew that they wanted to have children. And that was something they wanted to have soon. But, but that wasn't exactly what God had in mind in, in their life. I, I talked to them this week and uh, just wanted to share a, a letter that he, kind of a testimony this time in their life. And this is, this is from Matt. He says this, Brooke and I knew from the beginning of our marriage that we wanted to have a family. The bigger, the better. We both always felt that being a mom and dad was, what, was a part of what we were, were put on this earth to do. We always claimed that we were willing to follow God's plan, but what happened over the next 10 years would really test that. We began trying to have children after two years of marriage and went another three years without any luck. And at this point, we went, in to, talk, we went to talk to some specialists to see if they could find uh, out anything in, in either one of us, uh, if we could have children. We found out that there were no physical reasons why we couldn't have children and that we just needed to relax. It would happen soon enough. Horrible advice, by the way, because there are no guarantees. We tried a couple of rounds of medicine at the doctor's suggestion, and then we stopped. We figured if we, had any physical, we did not have any physical barriers stopping our pregnancy, then God obviously did not intend for us to have a child at that time. So we continued to wait. And in that waiting, we found ourselves questioning God some. We had been faithful. We'd been living the life God called us to, and surely God knew the desire of our hearts was to have a family. We sort of hit rock bottom and really struggled with the fact that seemingly everyone we knew was having children. And we even knew of multiple families with, with unwed mothers were having unexpected and unwanted pregnancies. And that was a struggle for them. For a moment, we felt somewhat betrayed. We were, were we misinterpreting Psalms 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. We wanted him to give us the desires of our heart. We call, what he calls us to do is to allow ourselves, our will to surrender to his will and the desires of his heart becomes the desires of our heart. We finally came to the realization that God didn't promise us a family, good health, lots of money, no problems, perfect relationships or easy roads. He promised to never leave us or forsake us. He promised to send his Holy Spirit to comfort and guide us. He promised us his presence in every situation and moment of our lives. And when we reminded ourselves of these promises, we were finally able to surrender the fact that we may never have biological children of our own and that God had a plan and a purpose. His purpose may have been as simple as calling us back to an understanding that he is in control and that true surrender means everything, even your most precious dreams. Now, I would love to tell you that after this evening, everything fell into place and a lot of kids immediately started to happen and, and lived happily ever after. However, God asked us to wait another five years. These were painful yet blessed years. We spent so much time together, enjoyed each other, and allowed God to plug us into so many areas that we would never have been able to uh, with a young family. In the fall of 2008, Brooke and I were with family in Gatlinburg and my brother and I were on our way to go play golf. And Brooke called me back into the bedroom. She was crying, but smiling. She told me the incredible news and, and we cried and laughed together. And, and, but we immediately prayed and praised our God for the blessing. We now understood that it was a blessing, not a promise. People told us when Caroline was born that God had been faithful. We agreed with that statement because it is from God's grace and mercy that we have a sweet family. However, 
we are always quick to remind them that God was just as faithful in those days of waiting and trusting. And now, uh, Brooke and, and Matt, they actually have a family of five. They have uh, Benjamin and Andrew and Caroline. I can't tell you, I don't know if you, the Jim Valvano uh, video at the beginning, uh, it, it describes when I got that phone call. And it was amazing. I mean, I just, I'm obviously a crier, and that's okay. <laughs> but when I, I just remember the emotion so clearly. I mean, I, Melanie was there. I, I, I lost it. I mean, when you pray for something so long, you know what it happens. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Sometimes God, he tells us, he tells us to wait. He tells us to wait sometimes. And that can be hard, can it? Sometimes uh, the timing's not right. Sometimes God has something completely different in mind. Sometimes he has something completely different in mind. I grew up in a church in South Carolina, Midland Valley, and uh, pastor there was a guy uh, named uh, Scott Ostendorf, and he was there for uh, several years, amazing man of faith. It was in June of 2005 that the doctor told him that uh, he had pancreatic cancer. And when he got this news, obviously it just rocked his world, but at the same time, it did not shake his faith. And he went back to his church, and the church rallied. And not just the church rallied, but people from around the globe. And I was uh, living in Florida at the time, and just remember being a part of something bigger. It just seemed like people everywhere were praying, praying and hoping and believing that Pastor Scott was going to be healed. It just was, a, it felt like almost inevitable. And uh, he began to, to, to write, to blog, to journal. And uh, there's actually a site that's still out there if you want to read some of his writings, myjourneytoamiracle.com. Prayed and prayed and hoped and wanted. But in January 2006, Pastor Scott, he died. That was devastating. Devastating. When you pray for something, and it doesn't happen. God has something in mind sometimes, and that's hard for us. Look back over the time that he was preaching, because he didn't miss a Sunday except for the last couple. He was preaching every Sunday. People were starting to hear about this, this, this whole thing, and hundreds of people started coming to the church. His sermons, they were just spirit-filled. Lives were changed. The kingdom was changed. People came to know Christ for the very first time during that, that, that time. All because of, of this was happening. Sometimes God has something else in mind and we don't see the big picture. It's, it's hard for us. We talked about it last week, how big our God is and how we sometimes we tell God what to do. I thought about, you know, my son Noah is learning math, addition, subtraction. Some of you are brilliant engineers in this room. If you tried to explain to him sometimes what you do and some of the amazing high-tech math that you do, it would just, the look on his face, I can imagine, is not gonna compute. I wonder if, you know, in our finite who we are, it's hard to grasp what happens in this world. There's another reason why that we don't, uh, that prayers aren't answered. Sometimes, if you are wrong, God says grow. We heard that in the, in the quote. Sometimes it's broken relationships. Check out 1 Peter 3, 7. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together, 
she may be weaker than you. That's probably, he did not say this with his wife's ears uh, available. But uh, she may be weaker than you, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered the way we treat people. In Matthew 5, we know this, that Jesus tells us, if, you go into the, if you're going into the church and you get ready to pray, you're going down to the altar and suddenly there's something that comes up, you know that there's a relationship problem, that there's something that hasn't been dealt with, there's unforgiveness, there's a problem with you and someone else, he tells us to go immediately and make things right, to make things right. Because if the horizontal isn't right, the vertical, there, there's some, some blockage there. Isaiah 59, one and two says this, listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear your call. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. Can I be blunt? Sometimes God's not listening because our our heart is full of, of sin. And our first prayer needs to be a prayer of confession. Our sin can block our prayers. Sometimes, can we be honest? Sometimes the timing's right, our heart's right, our relationships are right. It seems like the the, the motives are pure and sometimes our prayers still aren't answered. I was in a reunion, family reunion a couple of weeks ago. My father-in-law is a pastor and he's just retired a couple of years ago and he shared a devotional and... uh, a lot of you guys don't know this, but uh, our sister-in-law, Carrie, my sister-in-law, Carrie, lives in town, which is great. Melanie has a sister, but she actually has another sister as well. Her birthday uh, is, is actually June 20th, and she would have been 40 years old. And uh, this week marks the, the 40th anniversary of her passing. Howard and Lotus uh, had Kimberly Dawn, and uh, everything seemed, seemed right. Every, the baby seemed great. Um, and then one day, uh, Howard had to go out of town for something, and he, and he gets a phone call, and he's on the road, and it's that phone call nobody ever wants to get. Uh, Kimberly is not breathing. They've taken her to the hospital. Immediately turns the car around, prays desperately. In the middle of that prayer, he said distinctly that he, he felt the call of, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh the way. Praise the name of the Lord. And when he got there, Kimberly was no longer with us. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. And as he shared about the, the pain and the struggle of that, constantly reminded that our God is good. Our God is good. Our God is faithful. In a verse they've leaned on is 2 Corinthians. It says this, praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God comforts us. He's there with us. And in the, the struggle of the wise, 
And can we be honest? I don't know a person in this room who hasn't had those questions. I've had those questions. And God, in the world of faith, he is very big and he is open to those questions. We see it throughout scripture. God, where are you? Why did you do this? Our God is good. Our God is faithful. When you know someone's heart, when you know that someone's intentions are pure and right, think about it in your relationships. You believe them. You trust them. You know, when you, you believe and know, I've talked with a friend this week, when you know someone's heart is, is right and is good, then you trust their decisions. But when you, you begin to question that, that, that and, 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 and you just disconnect a relationship, there's this slippery slope of doubt. And in this faith world, we can, we can go to God, we can talk to God with this, this, this foundation of knowing that our God is good. And that was his, his testimony, that in the midst of the struggle, he actually became closer to God in the midst of that time in his life. God is good. God is faithful. Back to that knocking. Peter's knocking at the door. There's a lot of reasons why sometimes we don't believe that prayer works. I cannot get away from scripture over and over again that God calls us to pray in faith, believing, to pray boldly. What did we hear in Acts chapter four? They were just persecuted for, the, for what they believed. They just faced trials and they got out of that situation, the disciples. And what did they pray for? God, in the midst of all this, they didn't pray for safety. God, give us boldness. Give us faith. Give us, Lord, perseverance. That no matter what we face, to do what? Boldness for health, wealth, and prosperity? No, to preach the word. Give us boldness to preach the word. God has called us to pray boldly, to pray boldly. In Daniel chapter three, we see the three Hebrew children and they have a choice between bowing down to Nebuchadnezzar, worship the world, worship the king of the time or get thrown into a furnace. And they're about to get thrown into this furnace. What's their reaction? What is their reaction? They say this, you know what? If we're thrown into this blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will deliver us from it, from your majesty's hand. But if he doesn't, won't, doesn't, we are not gonna bow down to you. He is able and he can. We're not gonna bow down to you. In Mark chapter nine, there's a story of a dad and his son is, is possessed by a demon. And uh, Jesus is there. And, and the man comes up, the father, and he says this, if you can heal my son. What's Jesus' response? If I can. If, if I can, of course I can if you have faith. What's the man's response? I have faith. I believe, help, help my unbelief. And maybe today, that's your prayer. Lord, help my unbelief. I know you can. I know what you can do. 
and we pray boldly. We pray with confidence. We come to God. I don't know what's on your heart this morning. I don't know if it's, maybe there's an ailment in your life. There is, there's a hurt. There's a relationship brokenness. Maybe quite honestly, there, there's sin that's in your life and you don't know God yet. And there's a knocking on your heart. And just like in Revelation chapter three, it says, that I'm at the door and I am knocking. And this is Jesus talking. Jesus wants to come into your heart and your life today. Or maybe there is something in your life where he is knocking. And, and our prayers have been so wimpy, can we, can we be honest? That we just kind of throw these token prayers out there and we don't even believe that's him at the door. And we don't even open up to the possibility of what God could do in our lives and through our church and through your family and through who we've called to be as Christians. This morning, we're gonna sing a song. The band is, is coming and uh, it's a great song. It's a song that we have been singing a little bit lately. And it just talks about uh, this bold faith that he's called us to do, bold prayers that we need to, to be praying. Not these wimpy prayers of, hey, God, I hope it rains and then we, we take off. I love pulling out an umbrella. We're gonna pull out an umbrella today, God. We believe, we believe. It's a step of faith. And that's what prayer is about, is having those steps of faith. And sometimes we won't get the answers that we want to hear, but we know that God is good and God is faithful and we trust him today. And so as we pray, I want us to stand and I want us to sing the first verse. You can go ahead and stand up. We're gonna sing the first verse. And today, maybe you need to respond in faith. There's something in your life and your heart that you need prayer for. Maybe you need healing this morning. Pastor Michelle is gonna be over here. And out of faith, when that second verse comes, I want you to respond with stepping out on the altar toward an altar of prayer. You can come and you can pray here. You can pray on the steps. You can pray everywhere. So be obedient this morning as God is calling. And let's don't pray wimpy prayers. Let's pray, God, Lord, meet us this morning. Heal us this morning. And let's pray boldly this morning. Let's respond to God's word. We come to you today and we pray in boldness, Lord. You tell us that we should approach the throne of grace and mercy with confidence. And Lord, we come to you with confidence, not in ourselves, not what we can do, Lord, but we see a God that is infinitely larger, that has more love than we can imagine, more grace than we can fathom, an ocean full of grace this morning. And God, we approach you, Lord, with boldness, knowing that you are a God Lord, that is so good to us. We are overwhelmed by your blessings. God, we've seen you work in a powerful way in our lives. We've seen things happen and, and people healed and we've seen lives changed. Lord, you've changed my life. You changed my heart. Lord, it's full of darkness and sin and selfishness. God, and you have forgiven me. You've washed me, you've cleansed me. And Lord, you've done that for so many people in this room, God, and we are so grateful. We are so thankful. Lord, I pray for that person who doesn't know you yet in this room. Lord, is hearing that knock on, on their heart today, God, or they have sensed your presence, they have sensed your, your, your voice. 
Lord, and I just pray that you would give them boldness right now, wherever they are, Lord, or they're standing or kneeling wherever, God, that they would begin that relationship with you. Lord, and it starts so easy, God. We thank you that it is so easy. We just confess our sins to you this morning, God. We ask for your forgiveness, Lord, and you are a God that, that, that gives it, that grants that grace, Lord, and it's the beginning of something beautiful, beginning of this relationship with you, God. We're following you, Lord. Lord, I pray for that person that has forgotten this morning, Jesus. Lord, at one time was close to you. Lord, had such a close relationship, walking daily with you, but has forgotten. Or maybe has gotten discouraged and has lost faith. God, I pray that you would wrap your arms of love and encouragement around them right now. God, that they would sense your presence. We know that you promised us that you do not leave us nor forsake us, but sometimes, Lord, we confess that we feel alone. And God, I pray for that person that needs to sense and to feel you and to know that you're there. God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them. God, I pray for just the request around this room. Lord, you know about them. You know about the, the, the plagues, the hurts in our lives, God, and we come seeking healing. Lord, some of those things are physical things, Lord, like Lonnie's back. And God, we pray in faith and boldness and believing that you can heal. Lord, God, we know that there's some spiritual hurt. There's some brokenness, broken relationships, broken families. God, and we pray in confidence, God, that you are the great physician there as well that you can do the impossible in families and in relationships between parents and kids. And, and Lord, all these situations, Lord, we just pray and know and hope and believe, God. Lord, I pray that you would help us to know what our part in that is. You help to do the impossible, but God, you don't just wave a wand always, Lord. You don't just snap your fingers and it happens always. Lord, there's some part for us Lord, give us wisdom to know what that is and give us the faith to take steps of obedience, God. Lord, we know of people that are out there that don't know you, Lord, and you put them in our lives. Some of them are family, some of them are coworkers, Lord. And God, we want that same boldness that the disciples had that we could preach your word, God, faithfully. And we'd live it out faithfully. God, give us opportunities. Lord, we don't wanna be wimpy Christians that are just Christians on Sunday and forget about you during the week, God, but we wanna live this faith out every day. Oh God, Lord, use us in a mighty way. Give us courage, give us boldness wherever that takes us, to the ends of the earth, to our neighborhood, to our families, to our friends, Jesus. And we pray these things in your name. And all God's people said, amen.